Rise and shine. It's butt whipping time. It's time for the Morning Blitz with Ross Volkmer. That broadcast school has really paid off. And Christian Peck Dimmitt. Do you want to keep this job? Shut up, listen, learn. The region's only local sports talk show. Discussing it all from the preps to the pros. What time is it? Dance and Simulcasting on AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. Streaming online at nwksradio.net and the Rockingham app. They are everywhere. The Blitz is presented by the Insurance Agency, the Farmer State Bank in Oakley, the Cowboy Corner Express, and Equity Bank of Hoxie, Quinter, and Grinnell. Stop what you're doing and listen. across the midcourt line, and there's Bierman again with another interception. Haley, nobody around her, does she finish this time? She does. It's 38-14, Cowgirls. Trying to answer with a three, and it rattles home for Hope Bierman. Her first three of the season, and she's got a career-high five points after that make. There's a steal from Stanley, and it's a live ball ahead to Barton, who chases it down, layup is good. Counted in a foul. Elizabeth Barton, the hoop and the harm. She'll go to the line for one more. All Eagles in this third quarter. Colby's feeling it right now. Press from Liberty. The Lancers doing a good job with that length. Carroll way ahead. Over the shoulder catch for Tubbs who punches it with one hand. Rising up for the flush. Guy Tubbs' second dunk of the ball game. More press here from the Lancers. Carroll, a baseball pass with the left hand. Ahead to Tubbs, who's all alone, and punches it again. A guttural scream from the junior, his third time racking the rim tonight. He cannot, it's no good. Brumbaugh trying to tip it out. He did, Brady got it back, put up and in! Brady Brumbaugh, 23 points, six boards. The Cowboys lead 49 47, Linton, Linton will inbound at baseline, near side, Cole looking, 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 finds Manny off a double screen, corner three for Manny, got it! Big time three, we're tied! Hey, good Friday morning, everybody. We're back on the Morning Blitz on 1025 UROC, AM 730 Fox Sports Tri-State. A few highlights from last night at the 39th Annual Orange and Black Classic in Colby. Oh, you know what? The, the the games inside were hot, and thank goodness, because the temperature in the building, at least in the auxiliary gym, was not. It was freezing cold in the auxiliary gym where I was sitting. The wind was blowing. They had the vents on. They were blowing right on me. I was cold. Oh. I was wearing my coat. Uh, and then, of course, you go outside uh, last night and just uh, 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 brutal. Like, I know we experienced, like, negative and single digits um, last this past weekend. Yesterday was way worse. I don't care who you are. That wind with those cold temperatures was absolutely awful in just the, whatever, 15, 20 steps I had to make from the Colby Community Building to my pickup, or even from my pickup to my garage. It did not matter. It was cold. Oh, my gosh, I could not get over this. But thank goodness the basketball was good and hot last night. Helped warm the, helped, helped uh, warm the soul. But anyway, glad you're with us here on a Friday morning. we got a lot to get to. We'll be looking back at the basketball games last night, only from the Orange and Black Classic, but from other tournaments as well. We'll get our thoughts on the NFL Divisional Playoff Round, which begins here on Saturday with two games and two big games on Sunday, too. We'll get to that. We'll touch on some college, major college basketball as well in the final segment of today's hour-long program. He's Christian Peck Dimmitt. I'm Ross Folkmer. And once again, if you want to join the show, always hit us up on our text line, the number 785 785- 899-2222. So, Christian, how was the day number one for you at the Orange and Black? Was it good? Did you enjoy it? 
It was great. I was I was telling Ross uh, many a time over that I was very excited uh, for this weekend. Obviously, we had had a tournament earlier this year, but that was uh, the top side, and it was over in Goodland. So this time I got to experience all the running around at home, and I must say it was a little bit more fun to do it uh, in a more familiar gym. And uh, it was nice to see the Eagles get two wins yesterday. Obviously, in the first tournament, uh, they split those first two ball games, but nice that they're both both in the winner's bracket in their own tournaments, and it was very exciting. I will say, because the boys' game ended in comparison a little bit early, I got to watch the last part of that Goodland boys' game, and it wasn't nearly as exciting or as back and forth as that one, uh, but it was still plenty of fun, and uh, both the Lady Eagles and the Eagles uh, boys' team both get wins last night. And uh, it was it was not a fun time walking back to the car or to the car, uh, you know, yeah. at all. I, I've said it if I've said it once, I've said it a million times. It's not the cold. It's the wind that gets you in the Midwest. It doesn't matter how many layers you're wearing. And I think I was going to say, I thought you were wearing your coat during the broadcast yesterday. I was. The, it was wind, cold. the wind cuts right through you. But it wasn't the wind outside. It was we were in the auxiliary gym and they have that big ventilation tube that sits over there on the far side. Mm-hmm. And anyway, exactly well, the vents are pointed right down at the scorer's table. And so we're all at the scorer's table like, is the heat on in here? Why is there a draft? It's cold. Well, they're just trying to circulate air. I'm not blaming Colby Heist school or administration for any of this it's more of just a joke but i'm just thinking gosh it's cold why why is it cold in the gym when it shouldn't be we're playing basketball indoors it should be warm but uh nonetheless a fun night a very fun night uh especially from the goodland cowboy perspective as i thought they probably had the win of the night uh in the first round of the orange and black classic uh, they took down hayes in overtime and it was Let's just face it. It was a very odd tournament from day one because, and I'm not talking about the games per se, but just because of the weather. I mean, it was so odd that between the towns of Goodland and Colby, for the most part, it was sunshine, windy, but sunshine, nothing. Surrounding it, it was like it was like there was this there was this, this like this weather bubble that was on top of Thomas County or something because surrounding it, a bunch of terrible. As people were describing horrible roads and horrible driving conditions from snow blowing across and not being able to see. And uh, it was just, it was a very dicey start to the tournament because, you know, I get there and I hear the news. Well, Hayes boys haven't made it yet. They're still trying to make their way and they're stuck in Joaquini because the interstate's, you know, closing down. So they're having to take back roads to get here. And in the process of taking a back road, one of the Hayes fans ends up sliding into the ditch accidentally. And luckily, a Great farmer from uh, the Wheatland Grinnell area able to go and uh, dig or not dig them out, but pull them out, and they're able to make it. So it was just a diet. So because of that, you know, the Cowboys are supposed to play first against Hayes. That became the night capper, and so the Cowgirls had their games moved up because Lamar was there and Goodland was there, and so they played. It was just, it was just kind of an interesting day. It's much better though than the initial thought that was kind of thrown around. Well. Why don't Goodland and Colby just, since they're both here, let's just see them both face in the first round. That's like a broadcaster's <laughs> nightmare, all right? You're like, what? We got to call a game with a team we've done zero prep on this year? Not fun. Not fun at all. Now, do I know more about Colby than most other schools in the GWAC? Yes. Still no fun. But it all worked out in the end. It was a lot later night than most of us were hoping for, including yours truly, who's feeling the effects and will feel even worse here tonight, I have a feeling. But, no, a fun night, and like I said, the the Cowboys' victory last night was so exciting because I've said it before, Christian, on this show, we were talking about how, you know, 
in, in the progress of, of building winning culture and becoming a really good a team, it doesn't matter what sport it is, you know, you, you, you're in that step where you go from like losing close to then winning close. And the Cowboys lost close in overtime at Hugoton on Friday, this time at a neutral site game against the Good Hayes program, really good Hayes program. Uh, shout out to Coach Dryling and his coaching staff. They do a great job there. And to, to, to win close in overtime in the very next game against a, I would consider, a similar caliber of opponent, maybe not exactly, but pretty darn close, uh, is a real great step in the direction for this program, for Goodland Cowboy basketball. The girls have done it for a long time. They've won a lot of basketball games. The Cowboys have won a lot of basketball games last year, but maybe didn't win some of the big-time games. That was a big-time game last night, and they won it, and that's a huge feather in their cap. Huge night from Brady Brombaugh, who only had three points in the first half, went off for 20 in the second half, plus OT. He led the way. Uh, give Hayes a lot of credit. They ran the Cowboys off the three-point line. Goodland only made two threes, and that's another huge stat. The Cowboys winning this game without making a ton of threes because they'd hit 42% of their triples all season long to this point. So that was a huge feather in their cap. And great night for Lincoln Cure, who I thought played very well, had, you know, and, and all the bigs. Blair Lennon as well, Noah Chenette. They played very good. They had they each had four fouls and didn't foul out. I mean, that was just great. They played smart with four fouls. By the way, that was all going into overtime, too, and late in the fourth quarter that they all had four fouls. And to, to get that done, and uh, Lincoln carried some big rebounds, and yeah, it was just it was a great atmosphere. And not to mention the the icing on the cake last night. Dan Lanning was in the stands, Oregon head football coach. That was pretty darn cool to see. Did you, wow. have, you, you didn't see that? You I didn't see Danny that. was there? Is that what you were trying to point me well, to? Well, I was trying to point out because there, uh, I believe the Titans coach from Michigan was there as well. So I was trying to point out since you're a Michigan man, uh, it, he looks like Sharon Moore, uh, Sharon Moore, the you know the associate head yeah. coach, mm-hmm. but I don't think it was him. But Dan Lanning was there with his tight ends coach. Dan was taking pictures of some of the kids and some other people. Uh, I didn't get a chance to meet him, unfortunately. I would have loved to have, but uh, Dan was there. It was cool to see Dan Lanning. And, and it's like, there he is. He just he looks like a normal guy. You know, I mean, he doesn't look super big or physically imposing. You know, smile, you know, a happy-looking guy. So it was pretty cool. And then there were some guys from K-State there as well uh, to watch Lincoln, too. It's it's a whole new experience to see all these Division One coaches come and watch uh, these athletes compete. It's it's a it's a whole different experience for this part of the world, but pretty darn cool uh, to see that uh, last night in the Goodland Cowboys overtime win over Hayes. So and and for the first time since I don't know I I think it's like since maybe the '90s the Cowboys are in the championship side of the bracket. It's been a long time, <laughs> a wow. long long time that they've been on that side. And as for the Cowgirls, real quickly, Bill Behrman said if we play our game, we're going to dominate. Uh, sorry, he didn't say we're going to. If we play our game, I think I feel pretty good about it. I think it's what he said. They ended up dominating is what I should say. They ended up doing that. The first quarter was rough and ugly. It was only 6 nothing. Cowboys made, or Cowgirls made some adjustments to the defense that Lamar was playing, and they found it out, and they were able to score easily. And Lamar never got comfortable offensively against Goodland's defense. They just they had him off kilter all night. Their top player, uh, Baskins Robbins, Basket Robbins, as I like Nick named her, only had uh, what was it nine points last night and seven boards, so she had an off night. And uh, because of the Cowgirls' great defense, so anyway, uh, that was just the thought on the Goodland perspective. I know Colby had some. I know the girls won very easily, lopsided by 30, 52, 22. The boys won. I'm more intrigued because I had a Colby fan, a listener of the show, Andy, who came up and said, "I don't know what Liberty's doing. They're all that tall and they play on the outside. What are they doing? Play inside, man." Probably would have beat us, is what he said, verbatim. <laughs> so, I don't know. Your thoughts on those games real quickly between Colby, Ulysses, and, of course, Colby, and give me liberty or give me death. First off, I think Andy is correct. Uh, they, oh, he's totally correct. 
Yeah, 37% from three as a team for Liberty is a great number, including multiple starters, over 40% from outside, and that's pretty incredible for them. But, yeah, they have a ton, a ton of size. That's well documented. We've talked about that. Their whole starting lineup is 6'2 or above. I, I just want to throw one point in here. It's it's amazing when you talk about Liberty. You have all that size, and no one really knows how to play inside. Yeah, That's amazing to me, Christian. Last night, I hope everyone got a chance to watch Dawson Reuter at Hayes. That young man knows how to play inside. He knows how to shot fake. He knows how to finish with both hands. He knows how to use the rim as shot block protection. That's how big men are supposed to play. Take a class. There is a <laughs> lost art in big man post moves and finishing. There really is. He's able to take a drop step, little baby hook in the lane. How much better some teams would be if their bigs knew how to play like that. So tip of the cap and a shout-out to Dawson Ritter. He was great last night for Hayes. 18 points and 7 boards before having to step out because of foul trouble. But, man, he was good. And he was so fun to watch. That's how big men are supposed to play. And that's how a 6'10 guy from Liberty probably should have played. (laughs) Probably. Uh, I will say he had 15 points, including 3 made threes. Far from a bad game for the 6'10 junior London Prater. Uh, He showed me very nice touch last night, but you're absolutely right. If they put him back to the basket every time down and he's got a nice bag uh, with his back facing the basket, they probably dominate because there's not a player on the Eagles roster, let alone in their rotation, above 6'3". There are two in the starting lineup at 6'5", and then 6'10 for Liberty. On paper, they should dominate, especially with the skill that they have. Certainly that skill was not down low. Nonetheless, uh, led largely by their point guard, Cameron Cunningham, who had 19 last night and three made threes. Uh, He's got kind of an awkward jumper. It's almost this Lonzo type thing where it's over on the left side and it kind of gets forced out. It's very awkward looking, but he's lanky and 6'5", and he does get it off relatively quick. So it, it has a, an odd effect of looking pretty smooth. Uh, Cunningham did a lot for them last night, especially kind of in that second and third quarter when it really was back and forth, ebb and flow, and it seemed like neither team could get a great handle on this game. First quarter started pretty well for the Eagles. Uh, that was actually their tied them for their largest scoring quarter In a single quarter, it was the third quarter against Ray. They had 27, and now the first quarter against Liberty, they had 27 as well, including 19 combined from Jordan Jones and Guy Tubbs, who were both nearly perfect last night. They were just putting on a clinic, particularly offensively, but Guy defensively having to deal with all that size was very good as well. Had three steals and three blocks, three each for Guy Tubbs. Pair of dunks and what, 32 points? 32 points and a pair of dunks, right? Or three dunks? 32 points and three dunks. Ridiculous. (laughs) Nuts. Nine boards. I think I read nine boards, too. Something like that. uh, I think I saw eight. Eight Uh, boards? I had seven in my sheet. Ridiculous. Yeah, I had seven on my sheet. Clearly, I was wrong because officially I saw eight, uh, such as life. And he also made a three. It was, if you go into a game thinking... It's possible Guy Tubbs might have an off game offensively. It's the one where he has to deal with like three guys that are 6'4 or above. That was not the case at all. He made mincemeat out of that defense. You know, and that's another thing I like about Guy Tubbs. He's undersized in some cases, and because of that, he has to learn how to play around the bucket 
100%. Because he can't jump over people. So that means he has to learn how to shot fake. He has to learn how to maybe fake go left, go with the left, go over the other, go the opposite shoulder and and finish that way. I give Guy Tubbs a lot of credit. He's another he is a post player. He's undersized post player, but he's a post player that I think more bigger guys, you know, your 6'5", your 6'6", your 7", and your 6'10" guys need to probably follow and say, "You know, we need to learn how to do that stuff. We need to learn how to finish around the bucket like smaller guys." He does. He's very And that's because finishing around the bucket is so fundamental you know the mike you ever you've heard of the george mike drills you know where you finish with one yeah. hand catch it and I mean, go back. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. that's I a mean, lost I art there's lost arts in that man totally is most big men will not do mike and drills from what i've seen it's too simple and basic and does not simulate finishing through contact that's the critique of the mike and drill however guy tubs is exactly what ross is talking about and that is ridiculous touch around the rim. I've never seen a kid his size have not only the bag, but the finishing ability with his back to the basket the guy has. And really, the the dunks, uh, huge credit to Guy. You know, he, he can rock the rim, and he got up there for a couple of them. Uh, they were basically on runouts. Uh, you know, they were really pressing hard. Liberty was trying to get back into this game. Case and Carroll made some great passes, and it was looking like that fall connection over the shoulder catches for Guy and just rocking it in the open court. Uh, but just a great game overall from the Eagles, largely in the fourth quarter. The fourth quarter differential was six points. They, you know, they outscored him 23-17. But it was a lot more than that because they came out in the start of the fourth quarter just playing almost perfect basketball. As good as I've seen them play was the first four minutes of that fourth quarter, and they just kicked Liberty in the dirt and kept them there for the rest of the game because, like I was saying, the first three were very ebb and flow and back and forth. Yeah, that team, the Lancers, can't go inside as well as you would like them to with that size, but they were still giving the Eagles uh, their money's worth and then some. But it was 19 second-half points for Guy Tubbs and 21 combined in the fourth just from Jordan Jones and Guy Tubbs to put this thing in the dirt. Guy was incredible. Jordan Jones... Could not find the touch from three. I think he was 0 of 5 from out there. A couple of them were contested, but three of them were wide open. And normally he catches a lot of nylon from outside. Couldn't do that last night, but it didn't matter. He still had 23 on only one made free throw. It was all creativity getting to the rim in that floater. Oh, my. The touch that J.J. has with that floater from the free throw line, from inside, over contact, through defenders. It's he's got great touch uh, from the mid range. It, it's really fun to see, and the Eagles uh, had an electric win. That crowd was huge. It was behind him the whole way, and especially in the fourth, it was really interesting to see a Colorado team struggle with the physicality or lack thereof that the whistle would allow. And uh, Aaron Thompson, head coach for Liberty, actually got teed up. Uh, because of that, I think uh, that they had struggled in the past coming over to Kansas with uh, some physicality, and they were expecting, I guess they had prepared to kind of play a less physical game and be ready for that tighter whistle. Still wasn't enough. Uh, they just fouled a lot in the second half at key moments, and they were the right call. They were getting overly physical, which Colorado allows. Kansas does not. And on the flip side, 
Colby did a great job of defending without fouling. They allowed 65 points, of course, but they only committed six fouls as a team the entire night. It was really good defense when the Eagles uh, needed it, and a couple of coaches uh, for the Eagles told me that that's the best that they've seen them play, and I have to agree for stretches of this ballgame. Great win for the Colby boys, there's no doubt. You got about a minute to, to 20 to two minutes here. Give us your thoughts on the Eagle girls real quickly. It was a, a lopsided win over Ulysses, 52-22. Yeah, that is the reason we're largely talking about the boys' games uh, here this morning because uh, all credit to the Lady Eagles. They played a great game, but you know it was kind of one that's almost in the books before it begins. First half was a lot tighter than probably most Eagles fans would have liked. It was only 19 to 11 at the end of the first half, but weirdly, it was there were more JV players in that second quarter on the court for Colby and Yancey Walker than there were varsity players. Obviously, you'll see that at the end of the ball game, but at the end of the first half was very interesting. Uh, Yancey trying to squeeze in a little bit of rest uh, for his girls, knowing that they probably had this in hand. And that's just what they did in the third quarter, was all starters out for the Eagles to start the second half and just ran away with it. 17-6 to six in the third quarter, including 10 third-quarter points for Elizabeth Barton, uh, who had a really solid game. Didn't have the 11 steals that she had a week ago, but still finished with 3 and 17 points on the night, and the Eagles were able to get a lot of rest for their players, heading now into a semifinal matchup against Beloit. And actually, both the Eagles girls, the Lady Eagles, and the boys' teams will be facing Beloit tonight. Obviously, for the boys, that proves to be a much tougher test, at least on paper. On paper, for sure. Beloit's the number one team in 3A uh, on the boys' side. So, And that's, uh, once again, as I said, they have a great coaching staff, and they know how to play the basketball. They know how to play the game of basketball very well. Beloit is such a fundamental team. Watching some of them uh, when I got there early, they are just, they're, they're, they are so fundamentally sound. Another one of those teams that really developed their post players. They got big bodies down low that know how to uh, finish. Uh, what's his, I think it's, Beesner, something like that, is number forty-five for Beloit. Yeah, he's pretty Bryce good. Beesner, Bryce Beesner, six, seven. And yep, he's he's, he's a good the finisher. Epitome of what Ross was talking about. Yep, very good finisher around the bucket. Now they got another big, wide-body guy. Looks like kind of like a a tight end offensive lineman kid. Uh, that that's pretty good as well. That lives off some garbage points. They're they're a very good team. Beloit will be a very stiff test uh, on the boys' side. That's why they're number one team in three A, uh, deservedly so. Um, Beloit girls, so I think, surprised Hayes girls a little bit. I mean, there were, I think Beloit had so many turnovers, but Hayes could not rebound the basketball. Uh, Beloit outworked them on the glass, and that ended up resulting in a 13-point win for Beloit. So you've got Colby Beloit and then Wellington Goodland, which is a ranked 4A team against a ranked 3A team on the girls' uh, championship semifinals. Ought to be a dandy of a game. Wellington's got a couple of really good players, um, number 33 and number 2. Uh, which play very well together. Number four is a hardworking player. So I'll be very intrigued to see how Goodland handles Wellington. will be there, I think, to this point in time, if not the one of the stiffest tests of the season for Goodland. And then so on this, continuing on the girls' bracket, you've got Ulysses Hayes and Olathe East Lamar on the consolation side of the bracket. Boys' bracket, like, uh, yeah, do you have a point there? Oh, no, you're not. I see you raising your hand. <laughs> uh, Beloit, Colby, like a Christian said, uh, Beloit beat Ulysses 72-51. And then Goodland, Olathe North, and the other championship semifinal, Olathe North beat Pine Creek 64-30. to If you have a chance to go watch Olathe North's head coach, I cannot name his name. He's a bald guy with a beard. He is one of the funniest head coaches I have ever been around. 
I remember watching this last year, and he was, you know, he's throwing he's throwing all these movie quotes in while he practices. It's hilarious. It's funny. It's okay. <laughs> he's dropping like Tommy Boy stuff. So I look forward to seeing how he coaches in a game because I haven't had to see. I've gotten to see Olathe North play uh, since they've been here at the Orange and Black. So I look forward to seeing how that game goes against the Cowboys. And that's a very stiff test. A very stiff test for the Goodland Cowboys. And then on the consolation side, Liberty Ulysses Hayes Pine Creek Colorado. Another one. Another interesting storyline tonight that I'm or today that I'm looking forward to is Goodland played the two late games. They turn around and played the two early games. So how do you go about getting yourself reset to play? No doubt in the quickest turnaround of the season for both the Goodland Cowboys and the Cowgirls. So I'm I'm very intrigued to, to see how that all shakes out here. I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. Uh, real quick, before we get to break, I do want to quickly highlight some other tournament action from last night. We're not the Orange and Black's not the only one going on. There's plenty of other ones. You have at the Mid Connolly tournament last night, Oakley boys lost to Smith Center 50 to 37. I did not find an Oakley Ellis score. I tried to find it, could not find it for the Oakley Oakley Ellis girls consolation semifinal. Could not find it, so I'm sorry. Tonight, Lady Indians of Hoxie top seed take on the five seed Peberg. Uh, that's happening tonight in Plainville. And it's also day two of the Northwest Kansas League Basketball Tournament in Sharon Springs. Uh, you've got Quinter Decatur Community, Wallace County, Rollins County, and Girls Championship semifinals. That Wallace County, Rollins County game should be good. Uh, consolation game, St. Francis, Nest City, Dighton, Greeley County. Boys bracket, championship, Dighton, Rollins County, Quinter, Wallace County. Other Quinter, Wallace County, they just played here recently. That was a good game. Uh, should be another good one here in the championship semifinals. And the Consolation, St. Francis, Decatur Committee, Nest City, Greeley County on the boys' bracket. Also, two other games tonight. Golden Plains, Tri-Plains, Brewster, and Weskin Northern Valley. Weskin Northern Valley, folks, tonight, there could be a lot of points scored. I'm guessing that game might be 90-something to 80-something. Those two teams can score it, and they love to run the floor. I'm telling you, that boys' Weskin Northern Valley game, when I saw that coming up, it's like, oh, points! Hit the over! Hit the over! <laughs> Hit the over on that game. So, anyway, full slate of high school hoops tonight. And, of course, Christian will have coverage of Colby Eagle basketball. What time you start in broadcast today? On it's actually the, ride? The, uh, the same time. Same time. The same teams that we saw yesterday. So, 6.30 for the girls and uh, 8.15 for the boys. So, you know, 6 o'clock, 6.10 right up in there for the start of the broadcast. 100.3 the ride. We got it. It'll be fun. Uh, it should be two chance, or it is two chances to punch tickets to the finals and uh, I don't know. The boys have a tough test, but the girls could be back in the championship, and who knows, maybe a rematch uh, and a shot at the Good Goodland Cowgirls again. We'll see. We'll see. Semifinals have proven in this term at least to be some of the most entertaining games um, sometimes. And you get to the championship, it's kind of like, eh, because some of the better teams played in the semifinals. So we'll see how that goes here today. Maybe that maybe that's the case. We'll see what happens. Um, should be some good basketball uh, once again across uh, all across the region with no matter what tournament you're at. And, of course, another friendly reminder, we'll be on the air early-ish, 1.40 Mountain Time for Goodland Game Day, getting you set for a 2 o'clock Mountain Hooray. Time tip. I'm not looking forward to the prep work that's going to have to get done in about two hours. It's going to have to be a cram session. Uh, but we'll get her done, and we will be there. All right, let's take a break. Come back. We're going to hit on the NFL. We have not talked about it pretty much all week, but we need to do so. Four big-time games in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We'll get to that next here on a Friday edition of the Morning Blitz.